now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Oh, and a foul. Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Inside of Kutakupo, puts up the one-hander, shot is good, does it again! Rebound tipped and taken by Booker. Booker goes right at Middleton, layup is good! Giannis has it, to Middleton. Middleton puts up the jumper, puts it in! Chris Middleton, another clutch shot of these playoffs! Chris Paul for three. Knocked out of his hands, picked up by Antetokounmpo. Holiday ahead to Middleton. Suns have the foul. And instead, Mike Budenholzer calls timeout, and they're starting to celebrate here in Milwaukee. Only the seventh player in the history of the finals to have a 50-point game. Booker turns, shoots, fires. Shot won't go. Tucker the rebound. And that'll do it. It's over. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended. After a half century, the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. 49 seasons to be exact, 50 years if you want to count 1971 to 2021, the Milwaukee Bucks champions of the world as they take care of business last night, 105-98, great game, great series, we'll dive into all of that uh, today. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, glad to have you with us here on this wild Wednesday edition as we break down the NBA Finals and uh, start out a little slow, a little sloppy, but... uh, the party at the end. Yeah, it was an exciting game. I thought it was back and forth here and there. Once Milwaukee kind of got control, I had the feeling they're going to be very tough to catch up on. And uh, I thought it was a big uphill climb for Phoenix with the crowd, with the Deer District outside and everything. And, uh, you know, you got to give it up for Milwaukee. They made some adjustments after those first two games that they got dominated and blown out. And, uh, you know, the Suns didn't have an answer for it. It seems like the Suns were kind of going down and the uh, Bucks were flying and, mm-hmm. Uh, when all is said and done, they get their uh, second championship, like you mentioned. I did think it was kind of funny at the end when they all had the championship T-shirts on and it said two-time NBA champions. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, two times over 50 years, but all right. That's pretty cool, though, actually. I, 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 I just it, To me, it stood out because it was yeah, kind of funny. Too. It yeah. was like it was showing respect. Yes. For the Luel Sindor before yeah. he was Kareem Jabbar, yeah. Oscar Robertson, yeah. and all those guys. But at the same time, I thought, uh, it's not even in the same century that you did it, but all right. 
you know, it is two times that 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 part's accurate. That's kind of a a play on the Warriors because the Warriors were fifty years, believe it or not, uh, in between their championships, well, and then they were long from Golden State with right. that first one, right? Exactly, <laughs> and actually, not not exactly, uh, you know, fifty years because when they won was the seventy five team with Rick Barry, Clifford Ray, and the, and all those guys. But it, I don't remember seeing T shirts saying you know two time or or whatever that that sort of thing. But there was a reference, you know, to that. That team in that era and in that specific year as well too, in that seventy four seventy five season where Golden State won, and then obviously they came back and won several more, you know, uh, after that. But did they ever win one as the Philadelphia Warriors? That's what I'm saying. That's you know I'm not sure you know yeah. going back to that, but yeah, you know I think they they were champions prior yeah. prior to that. because I but know more often than not. Wilt Chamberlain and those Warriors lost to Bill Russell and the Celtics, the most <laughs> dominant dynasty probably in sports history that people don't want to talk about anymore because most of their fans are no longer with us. Yes. <laughs> but the Bucks champions, glad to see it. Glad to see it, not just for that team, built the right way. You go back, and as you know, I, I spent 12-plus years in that community, and the years that I was there – I, you know, I talk about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, how bad the Milwaukee Bucks were. I was going back and I was looking like, you know, I would go to Bucks games and I'm a sports guy. And not just covering the team, but just going to games, you know, to new arenas, that sort of thing. And when I moved there in 2003, I said, I'm looking forward to this. But at that point in time, they weren't very good. During that span that I was there, it was 13 seasons. The Bucks had 11 losing seasons of those 13 that were there. And the two seasons that they were above 500 were barely above 500. They just weren't very good. But like I pointed out, people would still love to go to those games. The arena back in those days, the Bradley Center, still basically the same place. Now it's the Pfizer Forum, basically on the same property. But those days where you know, people would, would uh, brave the winter months and they would go and you would still routinely have anywhere from 14 to 16 or 17,000 fans. And last night you had 17,397 inside that building and then 65,000 outside in the newly remodeled renovated Deer District there on Water Street, which uh, is a great atmosphere. And we've talked a lot about this, you know, during the course of of these NBA playoffs, especially the finals there. But I'm very happy for that community. I'm very happy for that city. And no different than the Green Bay Packers or the Milwaukee Brewers. It's a state thing. And it even goes beyond the state thing because, as we've talked about before, even people in Illinois are are fans of the Bucks. You know, people in the bordering states of, of Minnesota, they're fans of the Bucks. But for that entire state to celebrate this championship today and from, you know, you know, the next few months or whatever, uh, just happy for them, glad for them, and really it couldn't happen to a nice community. And, yeah, you and I, we talk, and along with all of our guests who are a little bit older, saying, oh, you know, we like tradition, shake our hand, you know, what should Scott Spicer say yesterday, raising our fist or whatever. But the bottom line is these are the feel-good stories that, you know, when you can go back and you can resonate with to – Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Alcindor, 1971, Oscar Robertson, another guy I'm going to mention on that team that you know is fantastic as well as Bobby Dandridge. Absolutely. Those guys and those teams, fantastic. And to see that community celebrate and have the history, have the reference to that, I love it. Just, I simply love it. 
Yeah, no, I do too. And and a guy that wasn't on that team, but another Buck player that I always enjoyed watching when I was younger. And again, it's a long time ago now, but I I, I didn't see any reference of him. So, and I'm not even sure that he's still around, but Marcus Johnson. I used yes. to love watching him play mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. I remember going to a Bulls-Bucks game years ago, and before I went to the game, it was right around my birthday because my birthday's in January, and January, and we always went to a game right around my birthday. If it was on my birthday, even better. And I had told my friends in that before we went to the game, I said, the only thing I want to make sure that I see tonight is I want to see Marcus Johnson get a dunk. And the Bulls, and it was a back-and-forth battle, and nothing was going on, and all of a sudden... Marcus Johnson didn't have a dunk, and the Bulls were about to win the game. They get a steal, they throw it down, and Marcus Johnson gets a dunk at the buzzer to beat the Bulls. And I'm like, I'm a little bit conflicted because, I mean, I loved the Bulls back then. They were my team, but I finally got to see Marcus Johnson get his dunk. And my brother and my my two or three friends with me, they all just looked and they go, yeah, you had to see him get a dunk, didn't you? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I didn't make it happen. Number eight, Marcus Johnson. Marcus Johnson, Junior Bridgman. There were so many guys, you know. After I mean, they that had team. some really good players. They, they but, did. but again, and, and the other thing that it does for the NBA, in my opinion, it gives hope to every small market team out there. In an age in that, with the with everybody spending money and teams making their own dream teams in different places, in that. A uh, 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 could have done that. He could have gone someplace yes. else. He stuck there. The, what's the first thing you did afterwards? He looked at Middleton, and they were like, "Hey, we've been together eight years. We got it done together." If you're in a small market now, all of a sudden you realize that there is a chance because they got it done there. And, and it takes a special individual or individuals to make that happen. And it starts with the Bucks front office. And then it starts with selecting a guy like Giannis out of Greece, a skinny kid that, you know, honestly, he wasn't that good when he came in the league. It took him a while to develop, but they saw potential with this guy. We talked to B.J. Armstrong. And he said, I saw this guy back over in Greece and said, well, this guy could be pretty special. And I remember seeing old footage of him playing in Greece and playing in these relatively empty gyms. And he came to Milwaukee. He had no idea what he was getting himself you know, into at that point in time. said, you know, never really spent much time in a cold-weather city. He goes, but you know what? This is the team that selected me. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to play hard for them. And then as he got better and better and better, you know, he, he had opportunities, you know, to bolt for free agency. And he says, you know, I, I believe in this. I feel a loyalty, you know, to this organization. They took a chance on me. And then... Things just got better and better for him. But let's remember, I mean, those first few seasons were still not good for Giannis. You're talking about the 2013 season. This team won 15 games. They were 15-67. and 67. Think about that. Right after they got him. And they got Chris Middleton at the same time. And really, those are the only two guys. And, and both those guys need a lot of work. Chris Middleton came out of Texas A&M. He wasn't a highly sought-after guy. You know, wasn't a, a, a high draft pick. And it's but, not like free agents were lining up to go to Milwaukee to help them out. That was the thing right there. They were they were not going to Milwaukee, and that knock on them. So then when the Bucks had continued to struggle and they hadn't gotten there, they've gotten you know into the playoffs and then got to the Eastern Conference Finals past couple seasons, and then they, they didn't uh, go anywhere past that time, the big question was that Giannis was probably going to be gone but what happened this, this past December? He signed that contract extension to keep him there. And it was a super max deal. And I remember him being interviewed last summer. And he was saying, we'll see what happens. But he was 
being courted. And he was, there were people that were interested in him. And I think that he was interested. But then you would still see him walking along Water Street and going to the restaurants and hanging out in Milwaukee. He just started a family. And he said, man, I just, I, I want to stay here, but I, I just hope that we get better. And then they added some key pieces. We saw the Drew Holiday acquisition. And then this was the year that put them over the hump. And again, they beat a team like Phoenix. Same situation as Milwaukee. Hadn't been good for a long time. Phoenix never won a championship. Close on a couple occasions. That 75-76 where they lost to the Boston Celtics. Paul Westfall, Alvin Adams, those guys, Garherd. But then you go to the 90s, you got KJ, you got Charles Barkley. But the Suns haven't been relevant for the better part of the last decade. Kind of like the Bucks. So it was a great series. It was phenomenal. But I think when we look at this story... The story is Giannis. He had 50 points last night. He had 14 rebounds. He did it all. He he was blocking shots. He was, exactly. And, and the other thing, when yes. he blocked shots, block shots is a nice stat, but a stat that I'd like to see up there, and I know it's controversial, is shots that are changed or affected. Because a lot of shots that he didn't block, he changed and intimidated. And guys that would normally make the shot that they were about to take were so far off or something like that that they got the rebound. You don't necessarily have to make the block. But when he blocks it and then controls it and starts a break on the other end too, that's like old school watching Wilt Chamberlain stuff yes. or something. Or yeah. it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly what I'm going to talk to our guest. So James Donaldson is going to join us, the the seven-footer who's actually in Seattle, had a very long NBA career. And that's, I want to talk to James about that, about, hey, does Giannis remind you of somebody that you played against in that era? Because, again, there were more of those type of players with James Donaldson, Bill Cartwright, that era of guys uh, you know, like that. So. But Giannis, yeah, he scored basically almost 50% of their points last night. Uh, he rebounded. He got steals. He got the blocks, which you alluded to. But for me, there, there were two key stats here. One was holding uh, DeAndre Ayton to 12 points. All right. That's the guy that you need to shut down. You can talk all you want about Devin Booker and Chris Paul, but we've seen those guys kind of self-destruct. They had no inside presence. And when Phoenix won those two games, Ayton was spectacular. He's phenomenal. The four games that the Phoenix Suns lost all in a row was because DeAndre Ayton did relatively nothing in those games and credit Giannis for that so again the guy did it all let's hear from Giannis at the podium last night after the game talking about what this season and what this series meant to him I started playing basketball just to you know help my family you know um, try to get them out of the struggle you know the challenges we were facing when we were kids But, man, I never thought, you know, I'm going to be 26 years old, you know, uh, with my team, playing the NBA Finals, just playing. And, like, I was just happy just being a part, like, you know, not even winning, just being a part of this, of this journey, you know. And um, But I never thought ever when I'm 26, you know, I'll be sitting in this chair with this right here and this right here. Man, it's been, it's been uh, we've come a long way. All right, and again, a guy that you just love to root for. And to the casual basketball fan, they've seen him from afar, but they've never really seen this side uh, of him. And we'll talk a little bit uh, more about that uh, as, as we go on here today, about the humble side of Giannis as well, too. But again, after the game last night, uh, he was talking about this season and his teammates. 
obviously I represent you know uh, my country, my both countries, Nigeria and Greece. Um, a lot of kids from there, um, but not just from Nigeria, from the whole whole Africa, whole Europe. You know, I know that I'm a role model, but uh, like this should be should make every every person, every kid, every, anybody around the world too, like believe in their dreams. You know, and no matter like whatever you feel, when you feel down, when things don't look like it's gonna happen for you, or you might not make it in your career, might be basketball, might be anything. Just believe on what you're doing, keep working. You know, don't let nobody tell you what you can be, what you cannot do. You know, people told me I can't make free throws. I made my free throws tonight, <laughs> and I'm a freaking champion. I made them and I'm supposed to make them. You know, but I'm joking. Um, Actually, I'm not. But uh, yeah, just believe, man. Just I hope, I hope, I hope I give people around the world, from Africa, from Europe, give them hope. You know that it can be done. It can be done. Eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, before I came to the league, I didn't know where my next move will come from. You know, my mom was selling stuff in the street. Like, and now I'm here sitting at the top of the top, you know, and, I, and, and I'm extremely blessed. And that's why I cannot, I can never get, I'm extremely blessed. If I, if I never have the chance to sit on this table ever again, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. But, like, I hope this can give everybody around the world hope and allow them to believe in their dreams. The humbleness of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And there's something he said there really early on, and I don't know if people caught it, but I hope Charles Barkley and every other athlete past, present, and future caught it when he said, I know I'm a role model. Because a lot of athletes want to put that aside. It's not up to me. You know, parents should be the role model. Yes, and they're right. Every parent should be a role model and help to raise their kid right. But if you are in that limelight and you have that mantle and that podium, a guy like this is so refreshing, it wouldn't surprise me if people in Milwaukee and maybe even beyond Milwaukee don't start rooting for Greece in the Olympics and other world championship games in that kind it's of It's true. Because he's yes. that damn likable, yes. and he's humble, and you can tell it's sincere. Mm. He's not reading off a pre-written statement. He's never in a controversy. He's not making apologies, and he accepts the fact that he's a role model and that it's not just in Milwaukee. It's not just in the United States. It's in Africa, in Europe. He's a worldwide role model because basketball is that sport. I found that so refreshing, and that's the first thing that caught my ear right at the start of that statement. Yeah, and again, for me, one of the reasons why I, I've liked him is because you see that humble side. You see the humble side. You see a thankful guy. And again, you're, you're right. He, he's never in the headlines for the wrong reasons. He's a family guy. He's a Christian guy. He's a community guy. And again, he comes over out of obscurity, out of Greece, no one knew who this guy was. Okay, he wasn't coming from Russia with all this hype like we saw Sabonis and Marcellonis and all those guys, you know, way back when, right? This is a guy that the Bucks took a flyer on and didn't know. And again, the guy he's a he's 245 pounds now. He came over here at 180 pounds when he came over here. And you look at the pictures from from 2012, 2013 to where he is now, but 
I love it because he could have went to L.A. He could have went to New York. Well, no one wants to go to New York. He could have went to, to the other teams. But yes, and we've seen other superstars out of the same mold. Dirk Nowitzki comes to mind. You know, from Europe, these European countries, and they come here and they are embraced. What Dirk Nowitzki do? All he did is win titles, become the face of the Dallas Mavericks. How many teams did he play for, Dirk Nowitzki? One, yeah, right? He played for Dallas. Exactly. Not, not only that, Dirk Nowitzki, good or bad in some ways, because I appreciate his talent, to me, he completely changed the game. Because no seven-footer was shooting three-pointers before him. He made everybody think that, hey... If you're on the court, you've got to be able to hit a three. To me, he revolutionized the game. Now, too many seven-footers that shouldn't be shooting three-pointers try to do it these days. But in my opinion, Dirk Nowitzki completely changed the game of basketball in the NBA and in the world. He was like, look, I can go down low if I need to here and there, but that's not my bread and butter, and that's not how we're going to win. So... Although I hate that the three is the main focus for a lot of things, then you get a guy like this kid here now, and he comes in, he tries to shoot threes, but he still knows his bread and butter is down low. So to me, he's like Dirk Nowitzki 2.0 because he's taking that, I'm going to add it to my game and I'm going to get better at it, just like I'm going to get better at my free throws, but I am big and I should go down low as well. So he's trying to implement the entire game, but Dirk changed the game forever yeah again made made it global too again and this you know he was one of those guys that you know hey let's let's start looking at germany start looking at france start looking at these countries just not european countries but uh the way basketball is uh uh, you know uh, uh, overseas uh i'm glad he talked about the free throws because the two things for me like i said was the defense last night and the free throws 17 for 19 from the stripe last night and the bucks as a team even though they didn't play that well they committed 18 turnovers they were 25 for 29 at the stripe last night and Giannis, big time yes and he's 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 heard the the cat calls he even admitted that you know, the people counting, especially there in Phoenix, it kind of got to him. And, like and you I, could tell that it did. I mean, yes, because, because yeah. it, I, I like the one reporter after like the first or second game, and they're like, well, can you hear the people counting? He was like, there's 20,000 of them. Of course I can. Yeah. You know, he didn't shy away from it. He didn't go, no, 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 I can block that out or something. Of course you hear it. Well, like I said before, you know, he, you get him at home, and he's more focused, and the Bucks shoot better free throws at, at home. And so does he. 17 for 19 last night, 25 for 29 as a team. Uh, one of the key factors why the Bucks won. All right, more from Giannis post game. It's, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been a long journey, man. I've, I've, I've done it all, man. I've done it. All. I did anything I could just to, you know, be on the court, just to be in this position. You know, I've, I've, I've not play. I've, I've uh, come off the bench. I've, uh, when I was 18, I started in the, the team. I've uh, went to the front office and tell them to send me to the G League. I want to do, like, I've done, you know, I've, um, I've uh, played point guard. I've only defended slash from the corners and everything, you know. And uh, my fourth year, I was able to lead as a ball hand. Like, I've done it all. And uh, tonight, it was just, uh, that's what I had to do tonight. You know, I had to do a little bit of everything. I had to defend, I had to rebound, I had to block, I had to do a little bit of everything. But people that helped me throughout this journey, man. John Hammond that drafted me and believed in me and believed in my family, brought my family over here, made me feel comfortable, made me feel like I was his son. You know, when I was uh, homesick and I was uh, alone in the hotel, Larry Drew, 
credit to Larry Drew, Jason Kidd that came to the team and pushed me, told me not, do not shoot, but okay, you know, I, I develop other parts in my game, you know, get into the rim, shoot the mid-race shot, you know, just be dumb and get to the free throw line. And Coach Bud, you know, Coach Bud believed in me, told me that in order for me to win, in order for me to be great, I have to trust my teammate. You know, I have to trust my team. I have to make the right pass. You know, I cannot be stubborn. You know, and I got to trust the process. You know, and uh, it was a, it was a three-year process, but we, we we got it done. I want to thank all of these guys. And as I said, I've done it all on the court. I've done it all off the court. And I'm keep I'm keep going. I can't stop. I can't stop. That's like my personality. I'm not stopping. All right, there's a lot there with uh, Giannis. And, and for me, to go back to John Hammond, when he drafted him, because I remember when that happened, he, again, brought his family over there. And it was within the uh, first couple of years where Giannis was homesick, and they made him feel very, very comfortable. And I thought it was interesting, too. Jason Kidd basically said, listen, don't, don't try to be Dirk Nowitzki. Don't try to be some of these other guys. Don't shoot. And Giannis says, well... Okay, that's what I what I need to do until you can hone your game, and then again he developed into that complete basketball player. Yeah, absolutely, and then that certainly stood out to me too when he said, "Now the guy's scoring fifty points in an NBA <laughs> Finals championship game, mm-hmm. winning the MVP of the series." But when he first came to the team, they told him, "Don't shoot. Right. Work on your other stuff. The shooting will come." So they were patient enough to do that. You know, we were talking about other guys that were were drafted and came over, and some that worked out and some that didn't, or whatever. It kind of reminds me when Giannis came in because there wasn't as much hoop and hype about him because he was kind of a project, like you said, and that's why Milwaukee took him. But I remember when Darko Milicic first came in the league with Detroit, and there were so many expectations on him. And it sounds like the treatment that Detroit gave him was the exact opposite that Milwaukee gave Giannis. He was expected to be a star. He wanted to be, you know, they wanted him to immediately come into the lineup and change the franchise around. I remember watching him at the NBA Summer League game, that rookie season going into it, and he looked like a kid completely lost. He didn't know the language. He didn't know his teammates. He didn't know the people. And there were so many expectations that they basically crushed his career and he crumbled under it, whereas Milwaukee brought in Giannis and said, look, I know you're a high draft pick, but don't shoot. We're going to teach you the game. We're going to grow with you. We're going to grow the franchise with you. They gave all the nurturing and everything else that they grew together as opposed to something like with Detroit where they brought a kid in and said, all right, you're the savior. Go get it done. And it's like, what? Just wonder at this point in time right now, and you mentioned earlier, hey, does this give the other small market or mid-market you know, market teams some hope here? And again, it, it really starts with the front office, who you're drafting, who you're developing, who you're keeping around. The cornerstone of this franchise is, is Giannis and Chris Middleton, and they came in together. They've both been there for eight years. And it's lightning in a bottle. Yes. And neither one of these guys, like I said earlier, were high-drafted guys that you could say, hey, you're going to be the cornerstone of our franchise. We're going to build a Five, team six, around seven, this. Eight. Right, Exactly. But they always had these other pieces to the puzzle. And when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, we can say Giannis did it all. Giannis MVP, regular season, playoffs, postseason, NBA Finals. But this doesn't happen without Chris Middleton. It doesn't happen. And again, with those two guys, the way they shared the moment last night, I loved it. It wasn't just about Giannis. And Giannis says, Chris, come on over here. It's all about those two guys. They, together, are the cornerstone of this franchise. And I like Mike Bootenholzer kind of taking a back seat. Because they were talking about firing him five weeks ago. 
They were talking about firing this guy. If you don't win it all this year, you're going to be gone. And you're not going to praise this guy for making great you know, adjustments or X's and O's and that sort of thing. But you, who you praise is the entire organization for putting this team together, bringing in Drew Holiday, and let's talk about Holiday defensively because when he started locking Chris Paul down and Devin Booker, that's when this series changed, you know, in games three, four, five, and six, and Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is so loved in that community, and good for Bobby Portis because that is the guy that's kind of been shunned in other places. He came out of Arkansas. He was a big-time scorer in Arkansas, and he thought, hey, I'm going to have this great career. The Bulls drafted him, never worked out, had nothing to work with there. That franchise, in disarray, different coach after different coach, tried basically catering to guys like you know, Derrick Rose and other people. It just didn't work out for him. Went to uh, you know, a couple other places, and he gets to Milwaukee, and it's like, wow, I, I, I found my niche. I found my role here. So him, Brooke Lopez who was big last night, had some big minutes. I thought he had a really good series. I he thought did. he had a good playoffs he because did. he played down low, He he and he gave them valuable minutes throughout the course of these right. playoffs. Right. P.J. Tucker, another guy. So you look at seven, eight of these guys who really contributed for this team. That's why they're hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy. Not just Giannis. All of these guys are ho- hoisting it, and this is a true championship team in every facet of the world. And again, how can you root against the Milwaukee Bucks? I don't know one person that should be rooting against the Milwaukee Bucks or has a negative thing to say about the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I could, I, I agree with you on the negative thing to say. I mean, you could root against them if you're from Phoenix. I get that. Or if you're just well, a yeah, you know what Phoenix I'm saying. But yeah, no, no, yeah. no, I totally know what you're yeah. saying. I do want to throw in one other thing real quick because I don't know about you, but when the Suns were still hanging around and you thought that maybe they could find a way because they were certainly going to give everything they had out there. The two things that I thought about with Phoenix, and we can talk about this later on as well, but what does it do to Chris Paul's legacy? Because a lot of people think that he really tired out and died down. But when the Suns were making a little bit of a run there, I kept on looking at Kaminsky and thinking, what are the Milwaukee fans thinking right now? Right. <laughs> what if this is the guy that hits a big shot? Because he had a nice game last night. He did. We talk about Lopez. He had some valuable yep. minutes as well. And I'm thinking. The former Wisconsinite. How, yep. how weird would that be yep. if Frank Kaminsky is the guy that forces it to a game seven? Are they going to be like, yay, Frank? In the I thought the district? exact same thing. And I was actually going back. To, to games three and four when they came back to you know Milwaukee after you know being down o two like can Kaminsky uh, come and, and do some damage hey I'm back it, home too exactly and and sixty five thousand yeah. people came into the deer just to yeah. cheer for me and it, it it didn't happen for him in those games but last night Kaminsky had, had a nice, very good game yeah he, yeah he he didn't have a ton of points in that but he yeah. was more than serviceable yeah he was all right we're gonna be looking at this from the Phoenix side as well too Chris Paul what's the future there Devin Booker Young, rising talent, but it's all about the Milwaukee Bucks right now. All right, so we've got more of that. We've got more Giannis uh, on the lighter side as well, too. We've got some some great audio, so hang tight and listen to that. Giannis, the day after, what he was all about here today, having a great time, basically carting around, driving around town in Milwaukee, and uh, taking both of those trophies around today. How about that? They're letting Giannis carry it around. It's kind of like the old Stanley Cup. Oh, you, you want to you know, take it around today? We'll monitor this. Everybody gets a, a chance to, to you know, have it for a day. Well, Giannis has both trophies today in Milwaukee. I didn't know that you had to feed trophies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
We'll get into that. James Donaldson, the seven-footer, long career with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, and now running for mayor of Seattle. Great friend. We've had him on before. We're going to get his take on the NBA Finals and a whole lot more hearing from him. Coming up next, T.C. Martin Show on this Wild Wednesday. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Still celebrating in the Deer District, the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, we'll have more of that for you. Hear from Giannis a little bit later on. So stay tuned with that. Think they changed closing time last night? There was no closing time. Yeah. Well, because I mean, in Vegas, people don't know what that is. Yeah. The bars close at two, or some of them used to be. Four. I have no idea what it is these days because it was a long time since I've been bar hopping. But um, but yeah, I mean, it used to be like last call, and people out here don't know what last call is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it was in Milwaukee last night, all through the great state of Wisconsin as well, too. So we'll have uh, more for you on that. Talk about uh, the crowd outside. There were a couple incidents last night. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But right now, we want to get the view. From Seattle, uh, for our good friend, the uh, seven-footer himself. Things are cracking up there. Things are cracking. That's right. Tonight, <laughs> it's going to be cracking. We'll get into that as well, too. And it could be with the future mayor of Seattle, the seven-footer, former NBA star, James Donaldson. James, what's going on, my man? Hey, TC, my man. I'm doing just great. How are you doing over there? We're doing great, man. I appreciate uh, you taking some time today. And I know you've been really busy up there. You got the uh, May May. How do you say it? The mayoral campaign going there. Uh, fantastic, yeah. man! I mean, you got, <laughs> you got the signs printed. You got the billboards going. Uh, you got the campaign yeah. slogans going. So uh, you know, I, I know now, that means a lot to you. What is your so campaign slogan? Yeah, what is that? Uh, our campaign slogan is "Save our Sonics, That's, bring back our Sonics." I knew that too. Well, you know, because yeah. you could throw in an alternate one. You could say it takes a big man to do a big job. <laughs> well, <laughs> that goes without saying. But you know, I want people to know that hey, I'm serious about all the real issues around town: the homelessness, our our police department getting more responsibility, accountability with them, and of course, our economic downturn. Trying to get out of that. But on top of all that, I want some good news for all of us, and that's bringing our Sonics and the NBA back to Seattle. You got that. All right, we're going to dive into that with you, uh, James, here today. But first, I want to get your thoughts on the NBA Finals. You know, we had uh, a, wow. a pretty prolific series there with two franchises, you know, that not many people were really expecting to, to be here this season. And the Bucks have had some success, right. but they haven't gotten that far. It was nice to see Phoenix skin. And now we go back to your playing career. I mean, these were two franchises that were very prevalent, you know, during your time. And I know you had some battles with, with both yep. of these franchises. So as you sat back and you oh, yeah. watched these NBA finals, did you have a little flashback? Well, you know, it takes me back to those days. We we had some great battles against both the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee was loaded always, but they always had difficulty getting by you know, the Celtics and the other great teams back in the East. And then Phoenix was always very good for the most part, especially when they brought on Barkley and those guys and made their run to the finals, uh, but came up just a little bit short. Both those teams played well all season. Both of them were highly deserving of being there. I know we want our big major metropolitan cities to be represented all the time, 
But these are two smaller market teams that really showed out well. Uh, Phoenix went up 2-0 and then, and then lost four in a row. That was just incredible. But it takes a player like Giannis to come through and put that team on his back and carry them with 50 points to their first championship in 50 years. And, you know, James, you played on some very good teams, some playoff teams as well, too. I mean, the Sonics, the Mavericks, uh, the Jazz, you know, just to name a few there. Uh, talk a little bit yeah. about, uh, about in being in these playoff series, you know, like this, especially when you're playing in those teams that we mentioned right there. Those are your smaller to mid-market teams, too. And the fan bases were right. very, very rapid as, as well, too, and very enthusiastic about your teams. And, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, put – our listeners in that situation playing for franchises like that? Well, you know, smaller markets and teams are really the most exciting places to be because this is really what the whole city focuses on. Uh, Phoenix, they do have the Phoenix Cardinals, of course, and, uh, you know, uh, the NBA's there. Uh, Milwaukee, you know, they've, they've got Marquette University down the street and a couple of other things, but and the Milwaukee Brewers. But you know, when it comes to basketball season, I mean, basketball is such an intimate, up-close sports game that you see the players, you see their expressions, you see their emotions, you see them sweat and toil, and they play and play and play, and they play so many games that the whole city really gets wrapped up into it. Uh, I, I, for one, was just so happy for both these teams, uh, especially for Milwaukee. I, you know, Milwaukee has been 50 years, and I remember I, I was a kid when I was watching – uh, Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yep. 50 years ago, who, who looks a lot like Giannis in a way, that long, stringy kind of athletic player. Of course, Giannis is a much more athletic player than Kareem was, but Kareem was so graceful and just carried with dominant performances 50 years ago to their first championship, and now they just picked up their second one. You know, after the first two games, Phoenix looked like they were in such a rhythm. They had a couple blowout wins. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were writing the series off already, which you should never do when a team just holds serve in their home court for the first two games. What did you see? What was the difference? What did Milwaukee do differently, or what did maybe Phoenix do differently that turned the series around and made the Bucks win the next four games in the championship? You know, especially in the playoffs, I mean, it's like it's like a chess game. I mean, it's it's check and checkmate, and it's it's strategy. It's going back to the drawing boards. It's forgetting what went wrong the last time, and really focusing on what will go right this time. Uh, picking those teams apart and just really breaking down, uh, you know, play after play, player after player. Uh, it took great heroic performances. Uh, for Phoenix to come through with those first couple of wins, Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, I mean, they had big-time performances to win those first couple of games. And then Giannis went down with that knee injury, and that slowed him down for a game or two. And then he was able to come back and grit through it. But the way he puts that team on his back, the way he can just drive to the basket, layup after layup, or pull up for three-pointers and mid-range shots, uh, this was... You know, this was LeBron-esque in a way, you know, because LeBron used to do this kind of thing uh, 10 years ago when he put up 40 and 15 every single game. Uh, This was a LeBron James-type performance with Giannis, and he is really the heir apparent that we are seeing in the making right now. 
All right, James Donaldson joins us, a former NBA center, a uh, great career uh, with the Seattle Supersonics back in the day, of course, the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks, just to, to name a few. James, let's go back to Giannis, and, and you mentioned him, and you kind of talked about you know Kareem-esque when you go back to those old Milwaukee Bucks teams that you faced, yeah. but who does... Who else does maybe Giannis remind you of, of guys that you played against? Wow. I mean, guys who are just virtually unstoppable. Um, You know, uh, people don't think much about him anymore, but he is such a great player. He never won the big-time championships, but George Gervin. There you go. George Gervin was. The Iceman. Yeah. Good point. That's the a good ice, comparison. Ice good comparison. I thought you might go with uh, one of your former teammates, maybe Roy Tarpley. Well, I'm looking at the body style, right. the body shape. Right. Giannis is long and lean. Gervin was long and lean for uh, a point guard, shooting guard, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and the way he could shoot off every angle and drive to the basket, dunk on people, but always pull up and hit those mid-range bank shots. I mean, this this is the type of player that Giannis is, only bigger and a, 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 probably a much improved uh, version of what Gervin used to be. But again, I, I take it back to Kareem because Kareem, when he was real young, was long and lanky and skinny, just like Giannis is. And that sky hook that he used to put on those guys. And remember, Kareem played with Oscar Robertson, too. Yeah. I mean, those are the two guys that carried Milwaukee to that championship. Oscar was at the end of his career. Kareem was just starting out, and those two guys uh, won that championship for Milwaukee 50 years ago, and I was just a kid just starting to watch NBA basketball at that time. And let's give a little love to Bobby D, too. Well, Bobby Dandridge on that team, right? Of course, yeah. Bobby yeah. D, Don McLaughlin. Yeah. I mean, they had a great team of guys, yes. And, and this was really teamwork back then. Now you have individual superstars It just – I mean, Kareem was an individual superstar, but he played team basketball. He he didn't go out and try to get 60 points a game. He probably could have, but he played smart. He rebounded well. He blocked shots. He, he scored, but he got his other teammates involved, and Kareem was always that kind of player, even when his, uh, probably his coaching with John Wooden brought that into the NBA with him. Uh, Giannis learned that early. Giannis is a great, great individual talent. But he learned early in his NBA career that in order for them to get anywhere, he's got to get the rest of the team involved too. But it always revolves around Giannis doing his thing. You know, when I see um, Giannis, and I think back to some of the old players, uh, a guy that I think of that never quite got it done in the smaller market he played until he went someplace else, and maybe it's partly the green jerseys of the Bucks in that too, but I think of Kevin Garnett when he was with Minnesota and that long, lean athletic ability uh-huh. that could do a little bit of everything. Like I say, he didn't get it done in Minnesota because yeah. they didn't get enough talent for him, but you know, he finally got his championships later on with Boston. Absolutely. Kevin Garnett was more of a, a back-to-the-basket post-up player uh, than Giannis is, but uh, Kevin can play very much the same way, bringing it down, hitting that mid-range shot. Uh, you know, those, those kind of guys, these are the guys that can play all five positions, and you just loving guys like that on your team. Bring the ball up, who can create for themselves, create for everybody else. Shoot it from anywhere and goes into the basket. And Durant is kind of a similar player as well. Uh, KD is able to put up 50 points a night and score at will from anywhere on the court. 
uh, bring the ball up. So, you know, those are your comparisons that we're making nowadays with today's NBA basketball players. All right, James Donaldson joins us. James in Seattle uh, could be the future mayor there of Seattle. We wish him luck uh, with that. But, uh, James, your mission, like you said, is to bring back the Seattle Supersonics. And those of us old school guys who love seeing the old green and gold, seeing those old teams, I mean, we go back to Gus Williams, uh, a little bit more modern. You go to Sean Kemp and and, and guys like that. How about Detlef Shrimp? We'll we'll throw that in him in there as well, too. Yeah, and and I know. And then you can even say Kevin Durant. And again, he he was on that last team, right? right? So I I know it was a devastating blow to to that community, to lose the Supersonics. And those of us that love the NBA and love sports in general, that that was sad to see them go. Talk a little bit about what that fight has been like uh, you know, for yourself and other people that have been really banging on the drum to try to get the NBA to bring back the, the Seattle Supersonics. And where is it right now? Well, 12 years ago when we lost the Sonics, uh, our political climate here, the elected officials, had no political will, no political backbone to to put a stake in the ground and said, no, the Sonics are staying here. We made no attempt to keep them here. Oklahoma City rolled out the red carpet, brand-new arena, brand-new practice facilities. Everything was state-of-the-art. And so why not take a better offer? We made no no great overtures to keep them here, and our political will just wasn't here. With me, we have that political will. I mean, I have direct contacts with the NBA. I know the NBA wants to expand to two more markets in the next five or six or seven years. We need to make sure Seattle is in a position to receive that and to welcome the NBA back to Seattle. We're building up, uh, building out our new arena, our, our remodeled arena, the old key arena, the Coliseum. Now it's the Climate Pledge Arena for the, the NHL Kraken. So we'll start that up this this fall with the NHL, uh, we can play NBA basketball in there as well, and I think it'd be an absolute awesome fit. Uh, and our, our fans have been here for 42 years. The Sonics were here for 42 years before they left. They are still here. Uh, Save Our Sonics, the large group of 40,000 fans, has endorsed our campaign because they know I'm one of the guys who can make that happen for them. You mentioned that you uh, believe the NBA is going to be adding a couple teams within the next five years or right around that time frame. How many cities do you think are in contention with Seattle that would like an NBA franchise? Because it seems like there's a lot of them that talk about it, including right here in Las Vegas, where it seems like all of a sudden everybody wants to come. Absolutely. I'd say three or four cities are in contention. Seattle, of course, uh, Las Vegas, Kansas City. Remember the old Kansas City Kings? Yeah. They moved to Sacramento. Uh, we used to love going to Kansas City and playing in that old arena they used to have out there. Uh, Kansas City has the now Kemper had a Arena. Team there. You remember that? The Kemper Arena, don't you? Nate Tiny Archibald. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Reggie, Reggie, right. Reggie hey. Theus before he got to Sacramento. <laughs> That's right. Sam Lacey. Uh, yeah. They had they had all these great teams. And, and so, the first team, you know, James, so, remember, James, the first team that had their names underneath the numbers, their last names. Remember that? I, right. I believe that was Kansas City Kings, right? <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Yes, some exactly old school right. knowledge. Yes, yes. Old school knowledge, baby. So, so, so those are the three cities. 
I'm surprised Vancouver's not making any noise. They get a team back up in Vancouver. The Grizzlies broke in with them. The uh, the Memphis Grizzlies started in, in Vancouver. So there's three or four cities that are really good, good NBA-type towns. Seattle, of course, um, being biased, is the favorite one because I know our fan, our fan appetite for this city, for this sport. We love NBA basketball. We were devastated when the Sonics left. And we've been licking our wounds ever since and just hoping and praying that somebody with some political clout, some political will will step up and make that happen for us. With the NHL coming to Seattle and all the hoopla around that, is that a positive for bringing the NBA? Or is it some people going, well, wait, they've already got this, they've got the NFL, they've got the NHL? Because to me it seems like it's a good thing all around. Yes, it is a good thing all around. I mean, we've been blessed here in Seattle. We've got the best of everything here. Uh, some of the world, world leaders in corporations, Starbucks, Microsoft, Amazon, Boeing, I mean, they're all right here in Seattle. We've got every imaginable professional sports team, uh, WNBA, the, the baseball, football, soccer. Uh, we've got them all. We've got hockey coming. So the only piece that's missing is the NBA to come back. And once they get back here, it will complete that whole array of professional sports. Uh, and we are blessed to have that many different choices, along with our great arts and cultures that we have here. Seattle is a great place to be. We want to get back to being that world-class city that we used to be. Uh, I've been here for 41 years. I came in in 1980, and the 90s and the 2000s, Seattle was ripping and roaring. Tech tech was on its way, and all these techies came in and made Seattle what it is now. Uh, We can get back to that, and that's what I'm looking to help us do. All right, no better candidate than James Donaldson. And don't forget, James, the food's pretty good there in Seattle as well, too, as we know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Food. Oh, yeah. The music, music scene, also. We got, you got all that the right. grunge, grunge Yeah, remember that? The yeah, but you, you and I are not grunge guys, James. We're not grunge guys. I was okay? going to say, how many, how many flannel t shirts you got in your closet there, TC? Exactly. James, James and I are the funk brothers, okay? Bring the funk to Seattle, okay? There we go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Hey, yeah. You know, you know James, uh, you mentioned the Seattle Kraken and the NHL expansion draft is actually tonight, so the timing here is, is pretty perfect with you. And, you know, yeah. people here in yeah. Vegas, very familiar because we went through this four years ago and how well it worked out for the Vegas Golden Knights. What is that scene like for people in Seattle anticipating uh, the expansion draft tonight? And what is the hype level for hockey there? You know, I don't know exactly. I'm not a huge, huge hockey fan, uh, but I know the, the I feel it in the atmosphere, in the newspapers, the sports writers. Everyone's getting excited about the Kraken. Uh, you know, I think they've sold out most of their season tickets coming up. They're ready to play in front of a packed house every single night. Uh, so those who are really into hockey, they'll be watching tonight uh, with, with a fevered pitch and great anticipation of picking up some great players to add to their team. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to turn into a hockey fan and get down. It does, the arena's just down the street from me, not too far. So I'll be over there as often as I can be watching it, taking it in, and becoming a legitimate, you know, first time for me, hockey fan. Uh, Until the NBA gets back, then the NBA takes over the priority again for me. There it is. All right, James, uh, real quick, the last time we had you on, we talked about your book, Celebrating Your Gift of Life, uh, a fantastic read, fantastic book about, you know, everything that you've overcome. 
Uh, just rooting for you, my man. I mean, you know, just uh, glad to call you a friend and uh, talk a little bit more about that book because I want people to get that. Well, you know, this book is uh, really detailing uh, my personal journey through that depths of darkness and depression just only back in 2018. So for 12 months, I journeyed through this valley of darkness and depression and just misery and really was at the point of wanting to end my life. There was no hope. There was no tomorrow. There was no love for me in my life. I didn't feel it. And it took me all those months to work through that with, uh, of course, medical professionals, a great group of close, intimate friends. I count a couple of my old coaches, Lenny Wilkins and George Raveling in that group, who called me and stayed on top of me, and I was able to call them anytime I needed to. They walked me through all of that. And so this book is about that. But also I offer a lot of great strategies and helpful tidbits on how other people going through these very, very difficult times can work their way through it and not give up. That's the key. Don't give up and reach out for help. I've made it through, and I can tell I'm totally on back, back on top of my game now because now I look out in front of me and I have a world of, of possibilities and opportunities right in front of me. Uh, two and a half years ago, that was not the case. I had absolutely nothing in front of me. But now I am raring to go. I'm running for mayor. I got my foundation going. I'm, I'm doing all kind of work, speaking engagements, talking about mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, I'm right back to where I used to be, and it's a great place to be. I hope I, I don't want to ever go back to that dark place, and I wouldn't wish that on my, my worst enemy to be in that kind of uh, position in life. Uh, but we all go through difficult times, and we just need to be there for each other and to reach out for the medical professional help that's, that surrounds all, every one of us, suicide prevention lines and everything else. Uh, so pick up the book. It's at uh, celebratingyourgiftoflife.com, and I personally autograph every copy of it for you and send it right out to you. Wishing you well, and I'm right there with you through your journey as well. Perfect. Great stuff. And I'm sure you can still dominate some people in the low post, too. Let's don't forget that. There you go. I, <laughs> <laughs> back, back to the basket. Hey, it's like riding a bike. You there you go. Forget. All right, James. <laughs> appreciate you, my man. We'll talk with you very, very soon. And uh, go Kraken and go Sonics. Bring back those Sonics, baby. Thanks. And James, make right. sure they don't mess up the uniforms, okay? I want the, those old school uniforms <laughs> with that little arch that says Sonics, okay? Bring it back, baby. Don't change the color scheme either. We, we still own all that. City of Seattle still owns all that Sonic memorabilia, Sonic logo, Sonic name, Sonic colors. We're going to keep it that way because we are that. Okay? All right, brother. Thanks, man. Be good. There he is. Jim. All right, DC. Have a great day. Thank Bye you. Now, All right. Uh, James Donaldson running for mayor in Seattle. Wish him the best of luck. With the NHL coming to Seattle, is that going to be the first positive crack house in the USA? This is, leave it to you. <laughs> when we come back, Nick Bogdanovich is going to join us. We've got more audio from Giannis. We celebrate the Milwaukee Bucks' first championship in 50 years.